Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Sean Gobin, Walking Away From War. So one of the great theories that are out there that looked back on ancient times of why we didn't see post-traumatic stress issue in the armies of ancient time. Well, they marched home together. So after they fought this campaign abroad, these armies would march home and these marches home would take, you know, months, sometimes years. And the actual act of walking home with your fellow comrades in arms gave you that time and space to just kind of process and, and decompress from the experience of war. And so by the time you got home, you were in a better place now to transition to the next chapter of your life. There's lots of anger issues. There's lots of isolation from family and friends. Um, it's just that survival reaction that you're having towards people. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's a survival mechanism. How, How do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Since 2001, more than two and a half million vets have returned home from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Many veterans come back with war wounds, physical, psychological, emotional. The transition from war to civilian and family life is tough. Some vets shut themselves away from those who they love and turn to alcohol or drugs. While there have been great advances in how doctors treat physical injuries, mental challenges such as depression, PTSD, or addiction can be much harder to cure. So today we look at a solution, a hopeful journey of healing. Sean Gobin is the United States Marine Corps veteran who founded Warrior Expeditions, and he joins us via Skype from Thornton, New Hampshire. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to uh, speak to you both. <laughs> so the work you're doing is so important, and it starts with a personal journey of your own. Tell us about your hike on the Appalachian Trail. Sure. So after serving 12 years in the United States Marine Corps, which included three combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, I made the decision to um, get out of the Marines and then attend grad school. And so the timing worked out where I was getting out in the spring of 2012, and I wasn't going to start grad school until the fall. And hiking the Appalachian Trail had always been a dream of mine um, since I was a kid, and I saw the Appalachian Trail and learned about it um, traveling during the summers with my, my family um, and hearing that only 20% of the people that attempt the Appalachian Trail finish it. And so to, to a Marine, that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do that. And so I got out of the Marine Corps on March 14th, uh, 2012, and I drove right out of the back gate of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, to 
Springer Mountain in Georgia uh, with some random gear I had laying around my garage. And then, uh, yeah, four and a half months later, I, I completed the entire trail. So for people who don't really know uh, this classic uh through hike, as it's called. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. It's over 2,000 miles. Uh, what makes it so hard? Sure. So it's approximately 2,185 miles. It stretches from Georgia to Maine. Uh, and it is a very, very challenging trail uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, first is just the, you know, the, the physical uh, exertion required to hike up and down all these mountain ranges uh, basically all day, every day. And the trail goes um, over the mountains in most cases. Most trails avoid uh, unnecessary climbing and descending, but the Appalachian Trail actually goes over most of the mountains, right? Correct. For all the long-distance trails, the Appalachian Trail is the hardest on the body because at no point in the trail are you hiking on a flat surface. You're either going up or down, and you're usually going up and down uh, on an average of three or four peaks uh, per day. Um, and the, the ground is also very broken depending on what section of trail you're on. So there's a lot of, uh, mud, roots, rocks, broken ground. Um, so just the, the physical exertion of going up and down all day and then the broken ground that you're traversing over is extremely hard on the body. And one of the number one reasons people are unable to complete their journey or just due to injuries, overuse injuries from trying to traverse this very rugged terrain. So that would be the main thing that makes it difficult. The second thing that makes it difficult is if you make it to the halfway point for the first three months, the second three months becomes a mental challenge. It's you against yourself trying to complete this goal of hiking all all 2,200 miles. What did you learn along the way that you didn't expect to? Sure. So at first it was a personal challenge of something I just wanted to do to say that I had done. And through happenstance, it ended up being an incredibly therapeutic experience that literally saved my life. So what happened to me internally while I was on this trail was the first thing was, you know, you're essentially you're out in nature for 12 hours a day. So you're not in front of the TV, you're not in front of your cell phone, you're not in front of a computer. It's just you and yourself with your thoughts all day, every day for months. And what happens is your brain has no a decision uh, then to just process everything that you've gone through in your life up to that point. And so for people that are struggling with trauma that have never faced the trauma they've dealt with, it gives you an excellent opportunity to process and decompress and finally come to terms with everything you've been through. So, Sean, in, in your case, what had you gone through? What, what did you need to process? Sure. So there were a number of things. Um, during my first deployment, I was a tank platoon commander during the initial invasion of Iraq in 2003. Um, <clears throat> very kinetic environment. But the the most traumatic thing that I experienced during that deployment was the loss of a good friend of mine who was a fellow platoon commander who was on a road just north of where I was located. Um, and he ended up getting killed in an enemy ambush. And so, you know, that was very difficult to deal with. And then my second and third deployments, mostly my second deployment was really a, um, you know, that's when we really started to fight the counterinsurgency war. And so, you know, I I describe that deployment as a big game hunting trip for humans. And so the psychological toll of hunting other human beings for, for seven months really makes you, I would say, numb to humanity. Um, and then my third deployment, I was uh, training uh, the Afghan National Security Forces, uh, both their military and police forces, and that was at the height 
um, of what we called the insider attacks where the Taliban had infiltrated the Afghan security forces and were attacking the, the, the advisor teams that were training them. And so uh, within the first month of us being uh, in country, one of our sister teams was sitting down and having uh, lunch with their Afghan partners. And uh, two of the Afghans were actually Taliban, got up and killed uh, a colonel and two, uh, two sergeants that were on that team. And so I had to spend the next 11 months training these Afghans. You know, I was wondering if if one of them was going to turn on us at any moment. And so, you know, you're always on this alert state of mind. And, you know, when you're in that state of mind for almost a year, it's really hard to basically switch back to a, a non-vigilant mode. How did your PTSD affect your life? Uh, well, that was one of the main reasons I decided to to leave the Marines. Um, I, I could really start to notice uh, I was starting to struggle. At the time, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I could see the effects of it. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, anger management issues, uh, a lot of social anxiety issues, um, isolation issues, basically retrograding from family and friends, um, having a hard time connecting with people. Um, and so I, I, I could tell something wasn't right and something, you know, was not the way it was supposed to be. And I knew that obviously it was effective my, my deployments and I needed a significant, you know, lifestyle change in order to fix that. How, how visceral was the pain? How, was it difficult on a daily or an hourly basis? No, it's nothing intense. You know, it's kind of like putting a frog in, in cold water and then you're gently turning up the heat. It's not an all of a sudden thing. It's a, you know, over days and months and years, you really start to notice that your lifestyle has really started to change. So what kind of a job is the VA doing to help our, our veterans who've been through some of these experiences and maybe are suffering from PTSD or other forms of, of uh, carryover from their time in theater? Well, the Department of Veteran Affairs are doing, you know, essentially what they can with what they have. And it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a capacity issue. Um, you know, we really started to see the influx of veterans returning home in the early 2000s. And then astonishingly, we started to realize that many of them were suffering with post-traumatic stress in the upwards of 20 percent um, just that, that are being reported, which the actual number is probably much higher. And so the Department of Veteran Affairs essentially offers two types of treatments. Um, one of them is talk therapy, uh, where you go down and you sit down and you speak with a psychologist or a counselor which has its own barriers to effectiveness, uh, mainly because, as I mentioned before, you know, having veterans don't really feel comfortable opening up about these experiences to non-veterans, non-combat veterans. And so they're much more comfortable talking about these experiences with somebody who's been there and done that and that can relate to what they're talking about. So, so that's a barrier. And, and a, lot of, a lot of counselors at the VA, they're not combat veterans. Exactly. They're, they're psychologists. And then the other, the other barrier to that type of treatment is, you know, you've got to make an appointment. So on Tuesday at 2 o'clock, you're going to show up to the counselor's office and you're going to have to bare your soul and talk about all these terrible things that you don't want to talk about. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, you may not be ready or comfortable to, to talk about those things at that time with, with those people. The second option you have is medication therapy, um, which has a number of issues as well. Usually they have to do all kinds of experimenting with the medications to figure out which medication is the best cocktail for you. Um, and through that process, and then even when they figure out which cocktail is best for you, a lot of the side effects of the medication therapy are sometimes and oftentimes worse than the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Why, why is that? Um, well, mainly because you're you're playing with the the chemical 
um, balances within your brain and you're, and you're, you're causing unnatural imbalances of chemicals in your brain that aren't natural. And so, so now you're having these side effects, uh, that's due to the medication. And then when you report these side effects to the VA, they give you more medication to then counter those side effects. And so now you, again, you've got an entire cocktail of drugs that your that your system is trying to fight and adapt um, to that's just a not a not a natural balance um, for what your body chemistry is supposed to be, and so you have all these these incredible side effects. So when you were hiking the trail and making that that journey, was there a particular day when you kind of realized that hey, this is really good for me? Maybe it would be good for other veterans as well. I wouldn't say it was a particular day. I could just I could just start to notice changes um, as I was making my way up the trail. Um, you know, changes included, you know, first of all, just the physical exertion. I mean, the physical exertion of the activity really helps you to to deal with a lot of the anxiety and that hyper vigilance that a lot of veterans you know tend to deal with. Well, I did the trail with another another Marine that I had been deployed with, and so it was good to have somebody there to talk to. So as you're unpacking all of these things in your head, um, to have somebody that was with you that had been through something similar that understands what you're going through was, was also very, very helpful. Um, the third thing that I started to notice was all of the communities that I had connected with along the way that were supporting my journey, picking me up off the trail, giving me a place to stay and hot meal before putting me back on the trail – that reinstilled the basic faith in humanity that I'd lost along the way. Um, because essentially after three combat deployments dealing with you know, the absolute worst of humanity, you start to have a really cynical view of people in society. And so to go through this experience where all of these people uh, who don't even know you are essentially you know, helping you and supporting you, it really reestablishes that, that basic sense of, of goodness in people. So getting out in nature and spending long strenuous days, you know, hiking along a trail or doing some of the other things that your program um, sponsors, that's a different approach. And uh, in your experience, how did that help you get healthy? Yeah, it's a very different approach. Uh, It's a very long-term approach. And that's why it's not, you know, an effective solution um, that the Department of Veteran Affairs can really execute. Uh, And it's mostly because of the duration um, you know, these, these journeys take anywhere from three to six months to complete. And it really takes that amount of time for you to really have both the physical, mental, and emotional, um, therapeutic value that's there. Um, you know, if you want to look at the, some of the, if you want to look at the root problem, it's not the post-traumatic stress, it's not the VA, it's not the medication. If you want to go back to really what the root cause of post-traumatic stress is, I think Dr. Hogue, uh, who wrote a book called uh, Once a Warrior. He's an Army um, psychiatrist who wrote this great book. Um, and in his book, he makes the analogy of post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's a survival mechanism. And he gives the example of, you go back to the caveman days, uh, if a caveman is attacked by a lion and survives, the next time he sees that lion, he's going to have this visceral reaction towards that lion. And it's because it's a survival mechanism to ensure that he survives from being attacked by lions. So you fast forward now to the, uh, you know, the armies of ancient times um, or even just warfare in general. And when you're in combat and you're, and you're, you know, you have humans that are trying to kill you now, you have that same reaction that the caveman did to the lion. And so now you return home and you're having the same survival reaction to humans that the caveman into the lion. And so that's why when you come home, you have such a hard time interacting with other people. 
which is why there's lots of social anxiety issues. Uh, there's lots of anger issues. There's lots of isolation from family and friends. Um, it's just that survival reaction that you're having towards people. And so, you know, it, and unfortunately, there's not a magic uh, short-term solution to fix that. It's a long-term solution. So one of the great theories that are out there that looked back on ancient times of uh, why we didn't see such, you know, a a prevalent post-traumatic stress issue in the the armies of ancient time, one of the theories is, well, they marched home together. So after they fought this campaign abroad, these armies would march home and these marches home would take, you know, months, sometimes years. And the actual act of walking home with your fellow comrades in arms gave you that time and space to just kind of process and, and decompress from the experience of war. And so by the time you got home, you were in a better place now to transition to the next chapter of your life. And we even had that during World War II with troop ships, where it often took a couple of weeks for the troops who were together to come back from uh, the front or, or, or from Europe to the United States. And I would say it was even longer than that because once even the fighting stopped, those units were in place for quite a long time um, before they even retrograded back. And so there was a, a, a huge time lapse between the time the fighting stopped until they actually retrograded home. Um, the way we do deployments now, you know, from Vietnam forward, I mean, you're actually on the ground fighting. And then the next day you hop on an airplane and you're home within 72 hours. And then you're back in the United States driving down 95 or walking through Walmart. And there is no transition process there. Time for a mid-roll break, Jim. And a word about sharing. What's that? We need our listeners' help in building our Fix-It community. If you like what you hear, please spread the word about our podcast on social media or tell your friends. Our Twitter handle is Fix It Show, and you can also find How Do We Fix It on Facebook and Instagram. And if you don't like our show, just take a long walk in the woods and talk to yourself about it. <laughs> the benefits of nature may change your mind. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Before we find out more about the work of Warrior Expeditions, uh, just a quick clip from one of the YouTube videos that uh, th- your site links to. The Warrior Hike provides veterans with all the equipment and supplies they need to complete a long-distance hike. It's just like a deployment, except instead of going to fight a war, your mission is to be a civilian again. So you were on the Appalachian Trail. You realized there was something really healthy and therapeutic about this journey that you were taking. When you got off, how long did it take for you to 
start putting the pieces together for warrior expeditions? How did you get started? Yeah, that was almost immediate. Um, a lot of the board members for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, which is the organization responsible for um, maintaining the Appalachian Trail, uh, a lot of their board members had the idea for a few years about starting a, a veteran outreach hiking program along the Appalachian Trail in honor of the very first person to hike the entire Appalachian Trail, which was a World War II veteran who in 1948, after returning home from World War II and was really struggling with transition, you know, told his friends and family he was going to go walk off the war. And then he became the very first person four and a half months later to hike the entire Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine. Yeah, this is Earl Schaffer, right? Earl Schaefer. Earl Schaefer, yeah. I did my, I did my homework, <laughs> but I didn't hear the pronunciation of his name. And there weren't a lot of and, backpackers back in those days. No, there was not. And uh, and so in his honor, they wanted to create, uh, you know, a veteran hiking program. And, and they had been watching uh, my hike on social media and they had reached out to me and presented their idea. And I had said, you know, wow, it's, it, it's the exact same thing I thought about during my journey. And so we immediately started working together uh, to create the very first warrior hike program, which would then kick off the next spring in, in 2013. Yeah, okay. tell us about that hike. So the the, the build up to it was interesting. I was already in grad school, um, and uh, I, I built the website uh, during finals, and then uh, I got on the phone and I spent two weeks calling uh, every outdoor uh, manufacturer and retailer that I could I could find on the internet and begging for, for gear and supplies. And, uh, the, the timeline was so short. They had all the gear shipped directly to Georgia. Uh, and, uh, the first group of, uh, 14 veterans that we supported, uh, we met them in Georgia, uh, to a, a mountain of boxes that had arrived of various, <laughs> uh, you know, hiking equipment and clothing. And we got everybody outfitted. Amazingly, everything was there. Uh, it was a miracle. And, uh, and then we started hiking. I spent the first week, um, hiking with them, um, teaching them everything I knew from uh, from my experience previous year, um, and then uh, and they were off. And uh, so you know, so the first thing we had done was provide them the uh, you know the the outdoor equipment and clothing that we had donated from the various uh, outdoor companies. And then um, all of the people that I had met during my journey, I had reached back out to and said, "Hey, would you be willing to host these veterans as they pass through your towns?" And they, of course, said, "Absolutely." And so, you know, we passed all this information um, to our veterans that were hiking the trail, and they had, you know, just an overwhelming amount of community support uh, of people that were, you know, getting them, picking them off the trail, giving them a place to stay, you know, giving them a warm meal and, you know, getting them back on the trail the next day. And, you know, really that first year was an experiment, um, you know, because I, I knew what I had experienced. And so really that first year was a test to see if other veterans would have the same therapeutic effects uh, that I had had in 2012. And sure enough, by the end of the hike, um, you know, they all reported that they had, you know, received, you know, experienced the same kinds of things that I did during my journey. And so that was our proof positive in the first year of warrior hike on the Appalachian Trail. Okay, so let's say a vet approaches your organization and says, I'd like to go on a hike. What happens? What kind of support do you do you give to that veteran? Sure. So if they're selected, we uh, the first thing we do is we mail them out all their uh, their hiking clothing, so shoes and pants and shirts and jackets and hats and gloves and base layers. Uh, make sure all that stuff fits. 
Um, so that's the first thing we do. And then we start, you know, flooding their email inbox with information about the trail, um, and hiking and everything that they're going to need to know to prepare. Uh, and then the next thing is we meet them, uh, at the trail start point, typically the weekend before we start hiking. Um, Sunday, we then break out all the gear and we teach everybody how to use the gear and we go through hiking techniques and, and common pitfalls and problem solving, um, that they're going to, they can experience along the way. Then we, we shadow them during the first week uh, to make sure they're set up for success. And then from there, give them the contact info of all the community supporters along the way that provides transportation, lodging, and food um, at all the different towns the trails cross. We also provide them a, a monthly $300 stipend. Um, and then I have staff members um, who support their hike during the entire journey. So I have one staff member who makes sure all their gear is good to go. And if they have any issues, uh, we can get it warranted out. And then we also have two psychologists on staff who are also both veterans. So it's a really effective way of conveying some of the, the knowledge and tools that you'll need uh, in order to uh, learn to cope with post-traumatic stress. And there, and there are several different hikes. Uh, how long do the average one, does, do, do they usually take? So we have uh, eight hikes that we currently support, and they range in duration from three to six months, depending on which trail it is. So I'd say three of them are, are six-month trails. The other five are, are three-month trails. And why is that necessary? Why so long? Um, well, it goes back to what I said before. There's not a, a magic pill or a quick solution to post-traumatic stress because you're essentially your brain has been rewired uh, into a survival mode. And it, for you know, just like it takes a long time to prepare uh, a soldier to to go off and fight a war, you know, it also takes an equally long time to, I would say, prepare yourself to come home. Um, so Marine Corps boot camp is three months. Uh, a lot of our trails are three months, uh, coincidentally enough. And so, uh, again, it just it just takes a lot of time to really reflect and process and to come to terms with, with, with what you've gone through. It takes a lot of time to reacclimatize yourself to to social situations and and uh to learn to overcome anxiety issues uh and it's just it's a timely process it just, it just takes it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to um to cope with some of these symptoms you, you know i'm thinking about some of the times that i've spent hiking on the appalachian trail and other trails and it strikes me that you know when, when I first heard about this, I thought, well, being out in nature is obviously therapeutic and has a wonderful effect for everyone. But also the social situation when you're hiking on a trail is you do meet people and you interact with people, but it's a somewhat simplified environment. You don't have – they're not your coworkers. They're not your family. It's not that stressful, <laughs> you know, bumping into somebody and saying, hi – you know, have a good hike <laughs> or having a conversation. Do you, do you feel like it's a way to help people uh, reintegrate into society in a, in a, um, it's in a less uh, intense way than, than going back to their hometown and, and trying to go right into a job or some other, you know, intense social environment? Yeah, exactly. As far as kind of re, the re-socialization effect of it, um, it it's a perfect environment because, it gives you the opportunity to be as alone as much as you want to be alone. And then, you know, we do all of our, our hikes with, you know, with other combat veterans. And so if, and you know, when the opportunity arises that you want to talk to somebody and you've got these other veterans that are out there that are, that are there to talk to and that understand what you're going through. And so, 
Uh, again, unlike the uh, the appointment at two o'clock on Tuesday that you have to go to to bury your soul, uh, we find that a lot of the conversations that our veterans are having while on the trail happen naturally. You know, when they feel comfortable talking to who you feel comfortable talking to. Um, and not only do you have the opportunity to talk with these other veterans that are in the program with you, but there's a lot of other people that are out hiking the trail, um, which is a really good way to just, you know, meet other people out in the world. You know, for me, I spent my entire adult life in in the Marine Corps. And so, you know, I was surrounded with people who, you know, looked like me, talked like me, thought like me. And when I hiked the Appalachian trail, I got exposed to, you know, an amazing cross section of American society. Uh, people that came from all walks of life, uh, all ages, all lines of work. You know, it was a great cultural learning experience to uh, to connect with other people that are out on the trail. And at, and at warrior experience and at warrior expeditions, you also have something called the warrior paddle and, and bike trips as well. Yeah, that's correct. Um, as we started to see the the flood of applications that were coming into our organization, and realizing that. A, you know, there was a good percentage of veterans that had uh, injuries that wouldn't necessarily allow them to hike thousands of miles. Uh, I wanted to create an alternate outdoor expedition experience for, for injured veterans as well. And so the first one that came to mind was was paddling. And, of course, you, you, know, you look at the map of the United States, the first thing you see is the big blue line that cuts the country in half. Um, and so that was the, you know, the spark of, well, let's create a warrior paddle program down the entire length of the Mississippi River, um, which can be an option for veterans uh, who can't necessarily hike, uh, like I said, a thousand miles. And so we, we created that in 2015. Um, and then, uh, you know, as we start to get um, indoctrinated into the, uh, you know, the, the wounded warrior space, we realized that adaptive bicycling is also an, you know, a very popular activity amongst veterans. And so I wanted to create a bicycle program, um, that would go across the country. And so we created the warrior bike program that traverses the trans America trail that spans from Virginia to Oregon. You know, um, Sean, it strikes me that all these things are just so ambitious. I mean, I used to work in a backpacking store uh, when I was in high school, and we would sell boots and packs and stuff to, to people. And um, and people would come in and say, well, you know, I'd love to hike the whole Appalachian Trail. And I'd always ask them, like, well, have you hiked? Have you done an overnight yet? Have you done a five-day hike? You know, are you are you experienced enough to jump into this very, very demanding, long commitment you know, you're taking these people, some of whom, you know, they probably had experiences carrying packs and stuff in the military, but backpacking is a special set of skills. And then, boom, they're out there on this months-long journey. Do people find it challenging? What what happens to the people who who decide they can't really keep it up or they bail out along the way? Well, we've done a lot over the years to – to set people up for success. Um, I, I would say one of the most common mistakes that, that, that people um, sabotage their experience with is they, they, they start with the wrong gear. Um, and so we hedge that by providing them with gear that we know um, is ideally suited for through hiking. So, you know, because a lot of people show up with the wrong gear, which makes the experience miserable. It's too heavy or whatever. Yeah, and then they got to spend a bunch more money to then buy the right gear. And so, you know, we're able to hedge that by by at least starting them off with the right gear uh, is the first thing. Um, the second thing is there's a lot of, you know, I would say, uh, n- you know, beginner mistakes that are very common amongst first time uh, long distance through hikers. 
and again, after you know knowing all the mistakes that I made during my journey, and then watching a lot of the you know some of the trends of mistakes that are made over the years, you know we we do a very um, thorough job of explaining to them the common pitfalls um, that through hikers experience, and then how you know to avoid them. Um, and so there's a huge educational process there um, to help them avoid some of the more common pitfalls. I'll give you a perfect example, and this was especially true with veterans, you know. When people start a through hike, you know, usually the first thing they do is they throw their pack on and they go as fast as they can, as far as they can <laughs> the first three days. Yeah, and that's then, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> and then that's usually what causes a lot of the you know the overuse injuries that people fall off the trail almost immediately for. And so you know that's one of the major things that we hammer home. Um, you know, is is to avoid overuse injuries. Um, you know, and then again, we shadow them for the first week, and so you know we're basically keeping our eye on everybody and making sure that they're doing the right things and and problem-solving common issues that they're having out on the trail. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then the next thing is the community support. Um, you know, uh, to have people, you know, along the trail every 100 miles or so that, you know, that you know that you can call for help uh, along the way uh, is a huge deal. And so there's a huge support network um, along the trail. So with those things, I mean, we're able to, to really set people up for success. So, for example – um, you know, typically the Appalachian Trail, 20% of the people who start the Appalachian Trail finish it. Um, we roll somewhere between the 50 and 80 percentile average per year. Um, and a lot of that is for the things that we hedge against. Now, some things are just unavoidable. I mean, in- injuries happen no matter how much you try to care for your body. You know, hiking 2,200 miles uh, for a percentage of people is just going to you know, be too hard on the knees or the back. Um, and so inevitably there's going to be some people with, with overuse injuries, uh, that have to, you know, return home. Uh, inevitably there's going to be things with family emergencies where people need to return home, uh, or other family situations where they need to return home. Um, and then a couple, you know, and we've done a pretty good job of screening for this, but in some cases people just, you know, they, uh, it, it's not enjoyable for them. Um, you know, you get out there and if, if you just, if you don't, if you don't enjoy the experience of hiking and camping and, you know, doing it day after day, um, you know, if you're not enjoying it, it's not going to be therapeutic for you. So there's no sense in, in staying out there and torturing yourself for, for six months. And so, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. How many vets has your organization helped? Since 2013, we've had over 200 veterans, uh, participate in our programs. Sean, a final question. Sure. Does it work? What evidence do you have that your program is making a difference? Sure. So right when I created Warrior Hike in 2013, uh, I got a call from um, a psychologist from Georgia Southern University who was a Marine veteran who was working on his PhD um, and was interested in um, researching what the effects of these long-term wilderness experiences were on combat veterans. He was a uh, a state park ranger in a former life and an avid hiker and, and had this instinct that there might be some therapeutic value there. And so, um, since 2013, um, Dr. Dietrich and Dr. Joy, uh, both PhDs now have been providing our veterans with surveys before and after their journeys to measure what the effects have been. Uh, and the data that we've, we've collected has been nothing short of astounding. Um, we, we use the, the standard psychological measures for post-traumatic stress, uh, depression, anxiety, insomnia. Um, and again, the data that our veterans have reported back to us has been astonishing with how effective these journeys are in reducing a lot of those symptoms. 
You know, you know, Sean, our show is called How Do We Fix It? And it's just so gratifying for us to come across somebody who's doing something that really does make a difference in the world. A, a simple idea, but one that's hard to execute. Um, and, you know, it's just very impressive. What can our listeners do to help? Uh, sure, they can go to our website at warexpeditions.org. Uh, and if uh, they would like to donate, you can donate from our, our donate page. Um, you can also follow our veterans' journeys on social media. Uh, and if any of your listeners are located next to any one of the 10 trails that we support and they want to be a community supporter, um, they can shoot us an email. and We'll be uh, happy to see about adding them to our uh, community support list. We sure hope so. Sean Gobin of Warrior Expeditions, thank you for joining us and thank you for your service. My pleasure. Wow, that is a remarkably ambitious program. And Sean tells us, I think it's his success rate is something like 50 to 80% of people who start the, the hikes and, and the bike trips and the, and the paddling. Completed. And I'm gonna, I want to even push back on the idea that somebody who makes it for two months and then has to bail for some reason, that's not a failure. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I also know a lot of civilians who hike the Appalachian Trail, maybe they set out to through-hike it, they don't make the same the, the whole way, then they come back in years later, often many decades later, to finish up the trail, or they do it in pieces over a number of years. So I think that just getting people to make the attempt is al- already a step in the right direction. One of the things I love about Speaking with Sean and hearing about warrior expeditions is PTSD is such an intractable problem. It seems like there's so few real fixes out there. Right. And here's one. And I like his, his emphasis that this is a long term, this is, you know, there's, this is a long term approach and that, you know, you can't expect to undo everything that people have to go through in combat in a matter of. Uh, of days or weeks. And, and just as is the case with a physical injury, very often, the best cure may well be physical therapy, working on it yourself as opposed to taking a pill or expecting a doctor to do most of the work. You know, one of my favorite and probably one of the most famous um, Hemingway short stories is called The Big Two Hearted River. And it's all about a fishing trip. A guy goes on a fishing trip. And it's all about the details of how he unrolls his bedroll and gets his fishing rod ready and how he cooks his meal. And, and the war isn't even mentioned. But as you're reading the story, it gradually sinks in that this guy is back from, in this case, it would have been World War I. Uh, and his, the ritual of being in nature and fishing is such a crucial part of his therapy. He's reintegrating himself to, with the world and with life. And I think that, you know, in all of our lives, nature is, has a therapeutic value that we need to appreciate. This is a particularly dramatic example of it here with these veterans. But I think for everyone, time spent in nature is important antidote to a lot of the stresses of, of life. Most people don't go through what combat veterans go through, but it's still, I think, really important to recognize this. That's a lovely observation. We'll have a link to the Hemingway story on our website, howdowefixit.me. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And thanks for joining us on How Do We Fix It? Our producer is Miranda Schaefer, and this show is a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Thanks for joining us. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.